0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is bringing the pain. In case you've forgotten, my name is Cyrus Wayne, and I am coming to you, right here, as always, in the studios of Radio Fairfax. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at cy underscore the great. Once again, that is cy underscore T-H-A-G-R-E-A-T. Great, because that is exactly what I am and that is exactly what this show is going to be. I understand last the show last week was, was a little rough. It was a little rough, but that's okay. You know, just like Big Sean, I bounce back. I, t- I take L's and I bounce back. Very few L's, very few ones, but when I take them, I do bounce back and that's what I am going to do here for you today. So, got a action-packed show for you. When I say action-packed, I mean it's going to be very heavy. But a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. It's So much, it's one of those things where I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to everything, trust and believe, I'm going to do my very best. And it, it's the, it's a gift and a curse to come to you oh, only once a week, right? I, I, I talk about this all the time because it's true where there are sometimes there is not a lot going on. So you're kind of scrounging and digging deep for things to discuss. Uh, and we're making arguments out of things that shouldn't be arguments. Uh, so the people who do this every day, the men and women who do this every day, that's uh, their fight. That's their struggle. Uh, my struggle is the exact same one there, except it's weekly. However, when something does happen, by the time I do get to a microphone, by the time I do get to all of you, it becomes a little stale, a little old, but th- that's okay. <laughs> that's okay, because it gives also gives me, but I also look at it as a way, it gives me time to really sit down, think, and let some of these stories become a little more clear. Because they're, everyone's reacting to the initial bit and then, as time goes on and on, we find out more information, more information, and thus we can finally get more informed opinions, more informed ideas. So, all this to say, I've actually thought about a lot of things I'm going to talk about with you today. Uh, first, I'm going to start off. First, I'm going to start off with this. I'm going to start off with this. This has been the week of the clapback. For those of you who don't know, which I, I guess is my over 50 cl- crowd, I, I guess, is a clapback is a, is a retort, is a very sharp retort to someone who has said or done something to you and then you verbally attack them back, you, right? You, you just get back at them. Uh, so, so there were some big ones, uh, some more controversial than others. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on them first and foremost. First and foremost, uh, Le- LeBron. For, like whenever LeBron decides to go after somebody who uh, trash talks him, it's great. It is absolutely great. I am. I think I'm in the minority here. From any everything I've gathered from all the talking heads, from uh, the normal fans on social media, I'm in the minority. It seems where I want my athletes when someone completely trashes them when someone comes after them when someone questions their ability their what they do for the athlete to respond as long of course as the exchange is decent right you, you don't come after family members you don't come to, you don't come after kids parents chill, especially children you, you don't you stay away you stay away from them you don't make the attacks personal you you don't go after anything about them you just simply attack their performance as a fan and as the athlete you just say something general don't be too specific because you you do want to you do want to get them but there there is that line i do i do believe in lines however the fan crosses it first oh feel free to cross right back you, you know don't dish it out unless you can take it so if a fan like says something foul says something completely out, out of bounds you as the athlete just, you have the right to respond. The, wh- the why I see it this way is: wh- why are you, as a fan, why do you think you're so free to say something to an athlete or any type of performer? You we, we see this with actors, musicians, that you probably wouldn't say. Dis- you probably wouldn't say to them on the street, right? <laughs> you probably, f- face it, you probably wouldn't. So, what makes it okay to say it in the stands? That's why I say athletes should. Just like any one of us, you or, you or I, if someone were to say something to us in the street, we'll probably say something right back to them. So when athletes say something back, I'm all for it. I don't hold them to this the different standard just because they're making loads of money. At the end of the day, they're human just like you and me. And they have a right to respond if someone says something to them. And that that's just how I feel about it. So LeBron James, after a... St- stinker of a performance in game three when everyone myself included had said this series is over there is there is no chance for Boston to win this this series especially with Isaiah Thomas coming out of that game LeBron had one of the worst games you could have I think this is one of his worst games since uh the finals in 2011 where it, it it just was not good Right, everyone talks when you talk about a bad LeBron James play performances. A lot of people bring up the 2010 Eastern Finals against the Celtics, where everyone says he quits. But if I remember correctly, it's call it's tough for me to call a guy a quitter when he has when he had a triple double in that game. And when you realize, hey, I'm do, I'm doing this triple double, I'm carrying all these scrubs here. There's gonna be a part of you that goes, Why am I doing all this? And you could talk about competitiveness, yada, yada, yada. And, yeah. So if he did quit, I wouldn't blame him. But in this game, he played horrible, 11 points, was, was all levels of bad, even for, for anyone's standards, especially for LeBron. So <laughs> a fan, a, a, this is in Cleveland, this is in Cleveland, which makes this weird. So LeBron, if you remember, is revered as a, a godlike creature in Cleveland. So his own fans were coming at him, basically trashing his performance, as they probably should. And so LeBron, in his clear frustration, LeBron, as we all know, is a very moody guy. He's very moody. Uh, very. He, he takes a lot of things very personally. So to that night, he just wasn't having it. So he looks up to the fan and goes, hey, what have you done? Calling him out, saying, "Hey, I'm in the NBA. I'm a professional. I do this for a living. I, on my worst day, can beat you. Uh, who are who are you to talk down about my performance?" Normally, the average person would just just not say anything and say, "Oh, oh okay, you got me." But no, <laughs> this is why I like this guy so much. I hope they find whoever he is because he not he responded that he played for one of the local colleges out there. Some small Division Three school, and he just, as he was being pulled away by security like out of the arena, he was like just reciting his college statistics, which was absolutely great. I think after the fact, everyone got a laugh out of it, but I'm pretty sure LeBron at that point was like, "Oh my goodness, get this guy out of here!" And so I, I, I like it when athletes, my athletes, have a little bite to them. Just where we're, they're in, in this weird position. Uh, I think uh, politicians, like for for whatever reason, that we put politicians and, and professional athletes kind of in that same strata of you're supposed to be bigger than everybody else. Everyone's allowed to take shots at you, but you're not allowed to say uh, say anything back to them. I Again, as I mentioned earlier, I find that really weird. So I, I like that side of LeBron James because it's rare that he loses like that, like that. But when he does, he's not having any of it. It it takes me back to the end of the 2011 Finals after they finally lost to the Mavericks. Uh, It was the first year that Heat team, uh, no one really knew what to do. Uh, Everyone was figuring each other out. It seemed very clunky. It seemed not together. So, Riders, of course, because they, they were the... Big, the, the big three, all this hype, hype, hype. Not one, not two, not three. So everyone was coming after him. And LeBron, after losing one of the toughest series he's had in his career, and a series where they were expected to run away easy, he just said, you know what? You, you, can, t- you can take all these shots at me all, all you want. But at the end of the day, I'm LeBron James. I'm an NBA superstar. I'm rich. You guys are still broke going back to the lives that you absolutely hate. And everyone goes no, Arr! and they, they, uh, insert angry noise there. And me being one of those broke got, like broke people who like who like at that point like hated the jobs and all this other stuff. I, even I go, good job, LeBron. I, I never I never try to let the um, the amount of money that somebody makes like t- take away like any aspect of their humanity, and that includes their ability to feel. And their willingness to strike back at someone. So more of that please. Except to get that LeBron, he would have to lose. And right now, because I hate Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Who just completely trashed a a, a walking wounded San Antonio Spurs. And I do not need to see them win another championship. I need LeBron to win. So hopefully I won't see that LeBron until they lose to the Lakers at some point in the future then like unleash that lebron re- release release the kraken release the king re- release him goodness just just take that off speaking of nba players who've had enough kevin durant so kevin durant is a very interesting guy as far as what he will or won't take from the media uh short answer is he won't take anything from the media Right When he was in Oklahoma City, it is well documented how if a reporter wrote something that was bad about him, whether or not it was true and most of the time it was true. And we're not talking about bad as you know he's doing all these nefarious things off the court. He's this bad person. no, just about his performance. If ever his performance was critiqued, he would just not talk to him. and in a <laughs> so one of my old so one of my old jobs I used to cover the Oklahoma commercial real estate market. I can tell you, so I can tell you from that experience, there is nothing in Oklahoma City. Nothing at all. So once you stop uh, covering the thunder, (laughs) that's it for you. So... The 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 game that the Oklahoma City sports media and Kevin Durant were playing with each other was pr- was pretty fun and awkward to watch. Where the media was trying kind of to dance around everything, but still stay on a good side because once they lost that story, that was it. That was one. That's one of the very many reasons they were upset at him leaving. So, a reporter. I have no idea what this guy's name. I don't really care. I, of course, I can look it up, but for the sake of what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter. So someone brought it to his attention that a, a lot of fans aren't liking this playoffs because it comes, com, it's coming down to two teams, and very few of the games that these teams compete in have been competitive. Well, the exception of the first round series for the Cavs. So, and Kevin Durant goes, well, um, we 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 play hard, we try hard, we play hard, and if it just happens to be a blowout, then okay, it's a blowout. We're try, we're trying to win here, and the fans don't like it. You, they could stop watching. Yeah, He <laughs> flat out said it again. Kevin Durant is a guy that doesn't want to take any of this. It's not, and it's it's a weird thing to criticize. You know, a team is so good. That's a very odd thing to criticize. And a lot of people are saying this don't it don't really have the context of history. Yes, this is something we haven't quite seen in the NBA before, but we've seen this across other sports where with one team will we'll be dominant for a period of time. And let me tell you, those sports are doing just fine today, contrary to what any writer or fan sitting on their couch wants to believe. So a suit <laughs> clearly had gotten to Kevin Durant at some point after that and says, okay, we need you to walk that back a little bit. And he did. While, yes, he did walk that back, he was absolutely right. Which is why he had to walk it back, because the way that the NBA money works. So it was brought up. It was brought up earlier today by a national talking head that it used to be where if someone was a fan was in the stands and they want heckle player and the, and the player would say something back and the, it it would be fair at one point for that fan to say, "Hey, I pay your salary, so I'm entitled to be all kinds of nasty to you, whatever." Um, now it's not the case anymore. Uh, the NBA the, and the players get a lot of their money through television contracts by people watching, having eyeballs on the product. So, you know, So television networks can sell that ad space, yada, yada, yada. Most of you kind of know how that whole deal works. So to have one of their marquee superstars saying, well, if you don't like it, don't watch it. it while true, that's not a message that Adam Silver and company want to promote. They want to promote watch it even though the games really aren't competitive and aren't good there's things that you know and things that you don't say even if you know them even if everyone knows them leave that leave Kevin leave that to me if you don't like any team completely du- like running over anybody just stop watching because all you're doing it we see this a lot we live it seems as though we live in this complaining culture Right. Where we we just love to complain. Whether it's I talked about the ESPN layoffs and even now everyone's like complaining about like certain personalities saying, oh, they need they need to be gone. Yada, yada, yada. I can't stand this person. Yet they tune in all they tune in every week, every day, every week. They constantly tune in just to find something to complain about. And we see this a lot with different media personalities, um, pundits and now our profession, now our sports where like fans will sit there complaining about what they're watching um, there is a of, of course the, the NBA is like the fix is in theory that always seems to pop up if fans are like complaining about that so any reasonable any reasonable person will go okay if i'm not believing what i'm watching why am i watching this so a reasonable person would just say, "Okay, I'm done with this and and turn it off." So again, Kevin Durant's right, but he shouldn't have said it. <laughs> and Stephen A. Smith took <laughs> took much took much exception to what Kevin Durant said. So much as calling Kevin Durant disrespectful and saying that no one had no superstar has had it e- like no superstar that has won a cha- not won a championship has had it as easy as Kevin Durant as far as criticism. Yet, we criticized him very harshly when he made the move to put himself in position to get a championship. And that's where the clapback is. The clapback isn't the, oh, the fans are bored. No, no, Kevin Durant was simply responding to, look here, nothing that we do, (laughs) nothing that I do is going to make you happy. You're going to complain either way. So either suck it up or walk. That's essentially what he's telling you. Oh, by the way, and Stephen A. Smith, in, in case you most of you forgotten, Stephen A. Smith and Kevin Durant do have a history. You don't want to make an enemy out of me, and I'm looking right into the camera, and I'ma say it again. You do not want to make an mm-hmm. enemy out of me. I'm. That was courtesy of ESPN. That was the voice of Stephen A. Smith. Where again, I told you these two have a history. So. When I heard Stephen A. Smith just go after Kevin Durant in that manner, uh, that was the first thing that popped in my mind. There's already history, there's already history, animosity, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Stephen A., bruh, you need to chill out. Speaking of a brother who needs to chill out, my boy LeVar Ball is, (laughs) I I can't even, so I can't even use the line he's making headlines anymore because that's all he's doing is ending up in headlines whether he intends to or not. So last week he he's continuously on this road show to you know to sell the the, the ZO2s, uh, promoting his son, trying to get him in position to uh, become a high NFL, a high NBA draft pick. Uh, all records is, is saying unless the Lakers trade that number two pick, he's going to go to the Lakers. Uh, they went on record saying he's only going to work out for the Lakers, because really at this point, if you're that high of a draft pick, uh. You don't need to work out for anyone. The workouts are for like trying to convince people, pick me, pick me, pick me. At this point, Lonzo was clearly one of the better freshmen in the entire year. So he doesn't really need to go on that whole road show. So <laughs> he was on uh, the herd with Colin Cowherd last week. Uh, and he got into a little back and forth with Christine Leahy where – Le- LeVar was going, doing his LeVar thing, promoting the brand, promoting his son, and Christine Leahy interjected with, where Christine, one of uh, Collins' uh, co-hosts, uh, tried to interject with a question, and LeVar uh, just completely dismissively said, stay in your lane and went on and on, saying about like how he's not even going to look at her. So the the, the, stu- the setup of the studio is weird, where uh the, the, there's Colin's desk, there's the um, guest, like there's uh the desk uh couch where he's looking at where it's looking at colin and you have christine in the back and where like as the guest you have to look back to christine if she asks you a question uh where like lavar had his his back turned to her this entire segment and they're just going back and forth he's saying i'm not talking to you uh like I, i'm not doing all 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 this just being completely be complete completely dismissive and if you're just like t- tuning in It it does. It can come across as sexist and like have like all these different undercurrents involved. However, this is one of those situations, and that was his clap back to Christine. This is one, and we'll go into Christine momentarily. But this is a situation where, like looking looking at it, just at that present moment, if you have no context, it looks like Levar is indeed bullying Christine, right? Uh, Being completely dismissive, uh, talking down the whole nine however there is context here context in which both of these individuals in that situation were completely in the wrong LeVar Ball understand I I, for (laughs) first let me talk about what Christine did so Christine for the past several weeks has been of course LeVar Ball's a hot topic around sports not just basketball, but sports in general. And Christine has had some uh, very choice words about Levar, saying even though like she supports, I guess supports what he does, uh, she also goes to say that she believes that her his kids, the ball kids, are afraid of Levar. And, and going and just going there. Now, one of the things that I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure she completely understands is you need, when you're going there, you need to be very careful because when you say that a child, no matter how old the child is and these kids, like the, the youngest kid, it it just finished his sophomore season in high school. These are the, so these are older kids, but whenever you bring a situation, you talk about a situation where a child is afraid of a, is afraid of a parent, that insinuates abuse on some level. So when Christine says on television, on radio, that LeVar's kids are afraid of LeVar, it is not unreasonable to make that jump of what you may be, <laughs> make that jump of, oh, there may be abuse going on in that situation, abuse, manipulation, bullying, whatever. So with that, with that in mind, oh, look here, don't, don't have that reaction you know what I'm saying is true when if, if look around any anytime we talk about children being afraid of their parents, that's what's going that's why we think there there is fear is is, is abuse that that's plain and simple. So the, under so with that context, it is completely reasonable that Lavar would not want to t- even acknowledge Christine in that situation at all. however, the way he went about doing that, again, like has some. There were some undercurrents, some, some undercurrents. So I'm not going to go into because they they get kind of tricky. They they can get hairy. But there are some things where he showed a lack of situational awareness. But Christine, on the other hand, what she cannot do is play the victim here. Okay, so any one of us with any bit of sense knows whenever you talk about anybody or say something about anybody. You do not have the ability to dictate how they respond to you, okay? And call it disrespectful in the way that they respond to you, considering you were disrespectful in your assessment between his relationship and his, his, him and his son's relationship. Saying that your kids are afraid of someone and you have no real evidence of this versus just kind of your own hunch, even you admitted it, you admitted it yourself, yeah, that's disrespectful as well. C- criticizing someone's parenting is disrespectful. So disrespect, I'm sorry, Christine, not sorry. Disrespect begets disrespect. So it. what you can't, uh, I, I've I've said, I've I made, I made my point. I've made my point. So that was basically this past week in clapbacks. That was LeVar Ball getting back at Christine there again, not the way I would have gone about it. If if I've made my mind to not uh, talk to a person, I'm just simply going to completely ignore them and go on with my conversation with with, with Colin. Uh, check out that check out that interview. Like there was some good stuff that came out of there. Some some quality information there. And from a radio television standpoint, that that again, all of our ball does is make magic. And I hope to produce this reality show one day. Just just throwing it out there. I even have a title, but I don't want none of y'all stealing it. i got a perfect working title in my head right now. But I don't want y'all taking it. Coming up next after the break. uh, Actually, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, NBA, MLB, uh, NFL, all of them in the headlines, of course. Uh, We'll we'll figure this out when I get back. Bring the pain, Cyrus Wayne, back after this. Welcome back to Bringing the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne coming to you from Radio Fairfax. Once again, the phone number is 703-560-8255. Once again, that's 703-560-8255. I'm not going to give you the spiel because at this point, you should know. The best way to reach me is on Twitter and on Instagram at CY underscore THA. Great. Now... Going back to the NBA now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this thing where I'm breaking down the the, the playoffs because we all know it's over. And yes, uh, B- Boston somehow got through uh, a get one game one game, but I I I told you this uh, during the Spurs and Houston series. Calm down, it's one game, and LeBron needed to have one of the worst games of his career for them to win. Uh, so, but Cavs in five. So, not, I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about Golden State completely running over a completely injured Spurs team without Kawhi Litter, without Tony Parker, with uh, an aging Tony Parker and Lamar Aldridge uh, not really showing why they're they're keeping him on the roster. But, I am going to talk to you about one of the worst kept secrets in all of sports. And that is tanking in the NBA. Right, so Mark Cuban uh, had some remarks early, last week where he admitted duh, that B- Dallas was tanking games at the end of the season. And now, not tanking. It, for those of you like who may not be familiar with how the NBA works, not tanking the fact that uh, they're just simply you know like put you know the players out there aren't aren't trying to win they're just losing uh, how you would see it in movies where they're throwing the ball all over the place they're intentionally missing shots no 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 that's not the case what mark cuban means by taking is yes they're trying to lose games but the way they're trying to do it is they're putting out players out there who they know aren't any good and the players out there are trying their hardest they're trying so hard to win but management knows these guys are not good. <laughs> so that's how they're trying to – That's how they're. so the organization is trying to lose so they can try to get a draft pick. Clearly it didn't work out too well for them. They're doing the thing that I wanted the Lakers to do toward the end of the season before they won five out of their last six games. But we still ended up with the second round – we still ended up with the second overall pick, so I can't complain. So uh, so this Mark Cuban is interesting. So Mark Cuban is one of the very few owners that a lot of us know just off the top of our head. When we think of, about NBA, NBA owners – Uh, Mark Cuban's one of the ones that first ones that comes to mind because he is so vocal because he's so out there. And in this case, he is so transparent, perhaps too transparent for the liking of one Adam Silver. Adam Silver doesn't want to hear this. He just, like all of us, know that these things happen. That's what Philadelphia has been doing for the past several years, and uh, that's what some people have argued that the Lakers have done for the past few years, where they have – and this is what a lot of some teams do over the course of the history of their franchise, where they will intentionally take games, not by having the guys out there just saying, okay, just throw the ball around, like dribble a ball outside, uh, throw the ball out of bounds, uh, miss everything, but, no, just – Completely fielding teams that they know are not going to be successful. So the question is, how do you stop it? Nobody knows, right? No, nobody knows. So, and Mark Cuban, I dare say, is one of the very few, if not only, owner who is willing to come out and say that. Again, this should not be, have to be come out and said because. As I said earlier, this is one of the worst-kept secrets in all of professional sports about how certain teams will try to take. Again, Philadelphia's been doing it for years, and now they seem to be have come around. You know, <laughs> speaking of coming around, the NFL seems to finally be coming around on at least one thing. So the NFL have recently rolled out, A number of proposals, rule changes, changes to rules and procedures uh, for this upcoming season. The biggest notable change that was made to the upcoming season are NFL touchdown celebrations. So for those of you who have who wondered if watching the NFL this year, wow, it seems like they're calling a lot of these unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on touchdowns. It seems that way. Well, that's because they work. This is empirically proven. So, according to uh, ESPN uh, uh, Stats and Sports and Information, 29 unsportsmanlike penalties were called on touchdowns in the 2016 season, as compared to 20 back in 2015, 16 back in 2014, 13, 13, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, 8 in 2013, and only 3 back in 2012. And no, that's not because these players are are just taken to the next level. No, because the NFL made it a point to really t- tie down on these rules, to really come down these rules. Now, like, when you talk about fine money, like this is where it gets kind of crazy. So in 2016, <laughs> $310,000 was collected in fine money from these players, as opposed to $66,000 in 2015 and $94,000 in 2014, by the which, a third of that was Jimmy Graham for dunking a uh, dunk, dunking the ball through the goalposts. Just saying. So the NFL is is relaxing their their rules. So by relaxing the rules, no, they're still they're still doing this. So what they've done is they said, okay, then here's what you can do. We can still do group separate s- celebrations, which is something I've been advocating for a uh, forever, right? Because we talk about. Like football is the one of the ultimate team sports, right? Where everyone has to do their job for eighty one, like for for them to be successful, right? Uh, the receiver cannot catch the touchdown unless the offensive line blocks for the quarterback, unless the quarterback is able to like throw the ball on target. The running back is running, like the receivers are running their routes, drawing coverage their way. The running back sometimes staying back to block or going out on his going on his route. Everybody needs to be doing their jobs for a play to work. So a touchdown should be at least celebrated by the team because everyone worked together to have it happen or that's kind of the image what we want to sell. So if you're going to like completely ban celebrations, at least have the at least have team celebrations, right? So, uh, y- y'all, y- y- you guys remember the uh, the Rams and the, and the bob and weave that they did back on the greatest show, the greatest show on turf days? Those were great. So you can do uh, group celebrations. You can go to the ground. So this includes like anything where you just go- kind of going to the ground. Uh, most most famously, uh, snow angels. Snow angels were illegal for the past few years. In case anyone's noticed or hasn't noticed, I'm not quite sure and using the ball as a prop. So, I may if if y'all hit the way back machine, way back machine or go to SoundCloud and find one of my old episodes, I talk about Vernon Davis, it's been so long since Vernon Davis has scored a touchdown that his I'm going to shoot the ball through the goal post at when he the last time he did it, that celebration was legal. And last season, when he like this, it was like two years since he scored a touchdown. That when he scored one last season, it was no longer legal. Now it's legal again. You can not use the ball as a prop, and that's absolutely great. Good, good job. Finally, there could be some fun that that to be had. Now, what you still cannot do is viol- and These are I actually agree with. Surprisingly, no, I'm not Cyrus the Killjoy here. But you you do have to draw a line somewhere, otherwise it, it can get out of it can get out of hand even for me. And I and I like creativity. I, I liked the days of Terrell Owens pulling sharpies out of his sock. You you grabbing grab the pom poms for the cheerleaders. I didn't like the Dallas R thing though back when he was in Philly and uh, San Francisco. I like the Joe I like the Joe Horn pulling the cell phone out of the goalpost. I li- and I like just about everything Chad John- Johnson did. It it it, w- it added an extra level of entertainment, and that's what professional sports is. At the end of the day, it's not about competition, teamwork. No, at the end of the day, it is about entertainment, and those celebrations were entertaining. What you still cannot do, however, violent or offensive imagery. Uh, how de- they define offensive, I'm not quite sure. Especially in t- especially in 2017, I don't know how we how are we defining uh, offensive anymore. Uh, so. Uh, An example is Josh Dorman's bow and arrow. Can't do that anymore. And um, what they call suggestive acts. (laughs) Most most famously, Antonio Brown twerking in the end zone in in the week one game against the Skins. Fortunately, I was out of the country and was not able to watch that game. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Antonio, you still can't twerk in the end zone, dog. Still can't do it. But I'm, I'm glad that they're relaxing the rules a little bit. And, of course, this is where we start getting into the cultural and generational clash that happens in situations like this. Uh, Marvin Lewis has gone on record to say he is not a big fan of the changes. Uh, why? Because he says it's bad for kids. Do. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I guess you can have that opinion, but at the end of the day, uh, they're not your kids. And I, I've I say this all the time. I you can't I guess one thing that, that without going too much into societal problems or things things of that nature, uh, the one thing we can't do is let professional athletes raise our kids. That's the parents and like their coach's job. So frankly, Marvin, if one of your players has more of an influence on how a kid acts on a football field, Versus what his parents will say, or uh, what his parents or coaches says, um, that's <laughs> that's on them. Uh, plain and simple, that's on them. Okay, so uh, again, I, I think I think we use this kids excuse a little bit too much, which goes into this t- tying this whole thing of you know playing the game the correct way. There, there is no one single correct way to play the game. You just play it, and which go, which seamlessly. I, I like how this segments work, which seamlessly transitions to how we how we do baseball and how baseball just needs 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 to lighten the f up. They just really do, because last week uh, Jose Bautista was at it again with with the bat flip. So in a game in a, a game against the Braves, uh, down eight to three, he hits a home run. Flips his bat and stares down the pitcher to make it a four-run game. J- just to remind you, Jose Bautista plays for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays were losing eight 2 four after that home run, and he's flipping his bat. I'm not. I do not. I, do, I don't. know what happened before that. If there's like some other history, or whatever. But the, let me tell you something. The pitcher. Uh, what oh uh, what I I'm trying to remember the kid's uh, the guy's name Oh O'Fla- was having none of that none of that at all and then so he uh, had some words the catcher had some words the bench is cleared because it's baseball nothing happened well that game anyway and everyone went along the way and then somewhere late in the series I think the next game where the Braves pitcher I have no idea which one uh beamed. Jose with the with the ball because that's how baseball works. It's one of those ridiculous unwritten rules about that you know you don't flip a bat because you sh- you play the game the correct way. You show respect to the game. Like dog, there is no right one right way to play a game. This is the culture war that is fi- like that. Baseball really needs to finally get into the 21st century. Oh, I, I remember I had Kevin on uh, several weeks ago. And we talked about the World Baseball Classic, and one of the things that made the World Baseball Classic uh, hap- enjoyable for me was the all these different players from around the entire world looked like they were having fun playing, right? There were there were bat flips, and there was emotion. Even the American players finally got finally got finally got a hold to it. Finally, be showing it, and I need that in my regular season of baseball. But regular season of baseball is very rigid. Like the, the not just regular season of baseball. Let me let me start all over. Baseball as an establishment, Major League Baseball is rigid. It's old, dated, afraid of change, and this is how we. This is how it's been done. This is how my father did it. My grandfather. My great grandfather. My great great. This is how we all do it. That's been soaked in the history of baseball. I hope it changes. I don't have any. I don't have any reason to believe it is going to change. But these unwritten rules, especially like a pitcher is going to be in a guy for flipping a bat when you, dude, you're up four runs. Why are you mad? You up four runs. Why are you mad? <laughs> in, in, in any other sport, any other sport, any other sport. A guy does something like that, you as an opposing player, you just point up to the, you just point up and say scoreboard. That's how you handle it. But in baseball, no, you just being a guy. Because he didn't play the game the correct way. The way that we've played it. The way Marvin Lewis wants football played. Man, get out of here with that. Coming up next after the break, two pretty interesting stories. Uh, from. From the two of the old base of old American pastimes. Yeah, I'm I'm going back going back just a little bit just with these sports. Bring the pain Cyrus Wade back after this break. Welcome back to bring the pain. This is Cyrus Wayne. So I I talked I I went into the break. So uh, talk about like uh, like these uh, next two sports before like before I wrap up the show. So in case you didn't know, in the early 20th century, uh, three sports were king. We just finished talking about one of them. That, that is baseball. Major League Baseball was a, was a king of a sport back in the early 20th century. So was horse racing and so was boxing. So I am going to leave you today with two stories out of horse racing and boxing. The first, uh, let, let's go back to like one of the sports of kings, horse racing. So the Preakness was held this past Saturday. So the Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Derby winner uh, from a few weeks ago, always dreaming, was trying to chase the ever-so-elusive Triple Crown. Never mind, we had a Triple Crown winner a couple of years ago. He like, So he runs, and he finishes eighth. The winner, uh, Cloud Computing, did not run in the Kentucky Derby. As a matter of fact, two like the top two finishers did not run in the Kentucky Derby. And I know most of you do not follow horse racing, but this actually speaks to a very controversial topic in the sport of horse racing. And that topic is, if you did not run in the Kentucky Derby and you have a horse trying to go after the triple ground, should... Horses that did not run in any of the races prior to the second or third legs should they run because the because the Kentucky Derby winner Kentucky Derby runners, are at a disadvantage because of fatigue. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is actually a very controversial um, uh, topic. Uh, as a matter of fact, Steve Coburn, back in 2014, he was the owner of California Chrome, uh, who won the first legs of the triple ground, but uh, finished not well in the third leg and it's fair to point out that two of the top three finishers did not run in either of the legs prior uh, where he just went off he just he just went off as a matter of fact uh, courtesy of NBC uh, here he is you know what? He's been in three.
1: This is his third very big race. These other horses, they always set them out. They set them out and try to upset the Alpacart. I'll never see, I'm 61 years old, and I'll never see, in my lifetime, I'll never see another Triple Crown winner because of the way they do this. It's not fair to these horses that have been in the game since day one. I look at it this way. If you can't make enough points to get into the Kentucky Derby, you can't run in the other two races. <laughs> So if you had your way, you would say you got to run the Triple Crown or you cannot come up in the Belmont and be a fresh horse. That's right. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Because this is not fair to these horses that have been running their guts out for these people and for the people that believe in them for have somebody to come up like this is a coward's way out, in my opinion. This is a coward's way out. So you think they came right after your horse and that was the plan, just like they have other potential Triple Crowns? Exactly. Our horse had a target on his back. Everybody else lays out one, or they won't run in the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness. They'll wait until the Belmont. You know what? If you've got a horse, run him in all three. If you've got a horse that can that if you've got a horse that earns points to run in the Kentucky Derby, those 20 horses that start in Kentucky are the only 20 available eligible to run in all three races. This is the coward's way out.
0: So, yeah, he felt pretty strongly about that. And, again, this is controversial because you have uh, the complete other side of the argument that's basically saying, look here, owners are in it to win individual races. They're, they're not trying to all chase history. If you're trying to hit, chase history, that's up to you. Uh, my job as a horse owner, as a, as a trainer, an owner, is to win whatever race that we decide to qualify for and decide to run. And make as much money as we can. So there's two sides of that argument in horse racing that's very controversial. However, I do need to add this correction for Steve because he doesn't he doesn't have he doesn't have the ability of looking into the future because uh, he said he was 61 and because the rules will never see a triple crown winner. Well, uh, this was done in 2014, a- as we all know. In 2015, American Pharaoh did indeed complete the triple crown la- uh, last last uh, a couple year- two years ago. So, yeah. You did see Triple Crown winner. It it just wasn't your horse. Sorry, Steve. It, it just wasn't. So going to one of the other big American pastimes of the past 20th century. I got a boxing story for you. And no, this is not Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Again, have them sign something and then I might want to talk about how bad of a boxing match that's going to be. How Floyd is just going to compl- spend 12 rounds of picking Conor McGregor apart. And you're going to complain, like, com- the entire wave, like, why did I pay for this? I'm telling you now, don't pay for it. It's going to be a waste of your money. But there was a fight, actually, up here, uh, up here, in the National Harbor, the, the MGM National Harbor, uh, Saturday night between um, Andre Durrell and Jose. I have no idea how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try it, just out of respect. Uh, he's from Venezuela. It's one. The, it's a name I, I, I'm not at all familiar with. I'm not going to attempt to butcher. Anyway. So they're in a fight and uh, the, the Venezuela box, I'm just going to call him Jose because that no, no, that's his name. That's his name. Calm down. That's his name. <laughs> So Jose uh, took a uh, took a uh, cheap hook onto Andre Daryl Andre Daryl after the bell rung. Now in his defense, it was a bang bang. The bell had quickly rung and he was was still in the act of swinging. It, although it was enough, it was it should have been enough time for him to pull back. Especially if you're a boxer at that level, you do have enough time to react. And he got in a cheap shot and knocked Daryl out because the knockout happened after the bell. Uh, Jose was disqualified. It, and after the, after the match, the uncle of Andre Daryl uh, came up to Jose and gave him a sucker punch. Bare-fisted. Bare uh, for those of you who aren't aware, that is legally assault because it happened in a non-sync. Because the, the sanctioned event was over. The sanctioned fight was over where everyone signs all those waivers saying you can't, uh, you can't arrest, you can't sue. Uh, that part was over. Uh, so what Andre's uh, uncle did, that, that was assault. And somehow... He was able to leave, get out of the arena. Now the police are, at the at the time of this recording, the police are still looking for him. Because, well, he committed assault by punching a guy in the face, bare-fisted, sucker-punching sucker a guy in the face, bare-fisted. Now, the the guy, the trainer, uh, who's, yeah, by the way, his, his owner, not, not owner, his uncle. His uncle, I'm still in the horse racing mode. His uncle was extra defensive because an incident like this happened to Andre a a few, uh, um, a few fights ago where there was a team shot ended up up in the, ended up having concussion. So the uncle was clearly stepping, doing the uncle thing, stepping in there to protect his nephew. Now that's not the way to do it because, well, that's just not the way to do it after, after the fight, both boxers, Jose and Andre, they, they, they seem to be good. Um, Andre won the match via disqualification because again the knockout happened after the bell had rung, but the boxers seemed to be cool, and th- th- there we go. So I thought that was I thought that was, ver- thought that was a very interesting story, um, very actually kind of funny because it, it reminds you if you're <laughs> look this up if you, like go to YouTube and look this up. This is great. About the guy, like about I can't even I can't remember the, the the boxer's name. Just Google boxer's mother runs in ring. J- just Google that where uh, this guy was getting beat in the middle of a boxing match and his mother d- d- did not was was not having any of it. She re- literally ran from ringside to the ring and started swinging her purse and causing her son to get disqualified. It is a thing. It is a thing of beauty. Now this was nowhere near as comical as that, but it just puts me in the mind of that incident. Oh, oh, now I remember. The guy's name was Tony Wilson. Now I remember. Anyway, that, I am all out of show for this week. As I said, a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports. I will be back with you next week. But if you want to keep track of me until then, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at CY underscore the great. That is Cy underscore T-H-A-G-R-E-A-T. Until next week, I will catch you later.